Hey, everyone. Welcome to this podcast. This is also a Facebook Live. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to six. Um, I'm a veteran homeschooling mom of 24 years, and um, we've graduated seven so far, so seven out of eight. We've been at this a long time, and I'm excited to be sharing my heart with you today as we talk about homeschooling. And I'm really um, excited about... uh, sharing my heart with you, but then also hearing some of the questions that you're going to have at the end for those who are considering homeschooling, those who have decided to homeschool, but um, you know, you're just kind of wondering where to start. Um, I do have another podcast on that, how to start homeschooling without becoming overwhelmed. And so that's a really, that's a great one. I do that with my friend Vicki and she has some great things to share. But today um, I really want to focus on a few, uh, kind of the heart of homeschooling. And I guess that's probably what I'm going to title this podcast is the heart of homeschooling. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, I, I can only speak from a place of faith. So I'm going to give you kind of a heads up that faith is going to be weaved in and out of all of, of everything I say, because it's been such an integral part of our life and our homeschooling, our life as a family. It's given us direction. It's given us clarity. It's given us peace. And so um, I can't share our homeschooling experience without sharing my faith. And so that's going to be weaved in and out. Um, I hope you'll be encouraged by that as well. So today I'm going to be sharing my our experience as a family, just briefly, and then I'm going to be talking about um, kind of our homeschooling priorities that we had set as a family. I'm going to talk about homeschooling for the right reasons. That might also be the title of this podcast. I haven't decided yet, so <laughs> I think maybe homeschooling for the right reasons would be good. Um, and the fourth thing that I'm going to do is go through some practical steps that will help you hone in on the approach that might work best for you. So, and then of course, we're going to get to the, to the Q and A's, the uh, questions for you guys, and hopefully I'll have answers. (laughs) I'll do my best. You know, I'm not a perfect homeschooling mom. I don't have all the answers for everybody, but I will do my level best to answer the best I can. And I have prayed over this, that I will be able to give you um, something uh, in the way of answers that will be beneficial to you. So um, I think where I want to start is just emphasizing how important it is that you ask yourself why you want to homeschool. And the reason that that's important is you're going to need to know this in order to prioritize, in order to remain intentional. If you want to do this for any length of time, even if it's just the next school year, you have to know why you're doing what you're doing, okay? So it's important to be thinking and praying about that right now before you launch into homeschooling. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't be so um, driven by fear because you're, you, you never maybe expected to do this or uh, you're, you know you don't really know what you're doing. I got a little secret for you. None of us ever really feels like we fully know what we're doing because every year is different as far as our kids. They change every year. Our circumstances change. Um, This is really a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith, but I can tell you it is amazing because you'll see God answer prayers left and right. So I just want to encourage you in that. But it's important to start out understanding or at least asking yourself, praying about and writing down what it, why it is that you want to homeschool. And be honest, you know, because your whys might change a little as you begin to kind of write things out. Um, 
and as you pray through things. So I'll share with you why we decided to homeschool. And um, just really mainly it was four things. Um, we wanted, we actually wanted to be the ones to spend the majority of the time with our kids rather than uh, kids at school and the teachers. I like to tell people we were selfish. We were just selfish. We just wanted to spend that time with our kids and we didn't wanna share them with other people. Um, not that we didn't share them with other people. Obviously we did because we lived a normal life. So uh, don't think that we cloistered ourselves at home and uh, never connected with anybody because that's one of the, one of the um, uh, just preconceived notions about homeschooling is that we're unsocialized. And I could tell you not, nothing is further from the truth. Our kids are able to get out and talk to all different age groups. And so here's the other thing that's really interesting is I think about socializing and I think there's a difference between socializing and socialization. Socialization is about conformity. I don't want my kids to just conform. I don't want them to just think they're part of a herd and they have to do what everyone else is doing. I want them to be able to think for themselves, to be independent thinkers, to make decisions based on the wisdom that they've hopefully gained over the years. And so um, to me, socializing is about getting out and um, being able to talk to all different age groups. So when we go to the grocery store, the library, we take our kids out on field trips with other kids. Um, they have to talk to all different ages. And our kids have always known how to speak to adults as well as play with small children. So socialization really isn't a problem. So we wanted to spend um, time with our kids. The second thing is we wanted our kids to have a childhood. You guys, kids don't eat, they're not even allowed to be kids anymore. And this is one thing that has actually gotten far worse even since we started homeschooling 24 years ago. We wanted our kids to be able to spend time building forts, playing outside, building bike ramps, uh, riding their bikes, uh, building blanket forts inside, baking together, cooking together, doing crafts together, um, just gardening together. So we wanted our kids to be able to do the things that kids should be able to do as a kid. We wanted them to be protected, especially in the early years. Now, our kids, I can tell you right now, they know about the world. By the time they went out into it, they were pretty uh, fully aware of what's going on in the world and how they needed to respond. But in those early years, it is so important that we protect them. We give them a safe, secure environment because this is what gives them roots. This is what grows their confidence and allows them to be independent thinkers, critical thinkers, and kids who can make their own decisions without having someone always tell them exactly what they're supposed to do. So, um, we wanted our kids to have a childhood. We wanted them to be able to experience the things that uh, children should be able to experience, that freedom, that joy, that wandering, that um, opportunity to follow their interests, opportunity to experiment and try things out, even a little dangerous play. You guys, they learn so much through play. It is amazing. Just Google it. Say benefits of play. You you will read the most amazing articles. So we wanted them to have a childhood. We we also believed because it's pretty typical for kids to have some struggles along the way when it comes to learning. We believed that um, if our kids had struggles, that those would best be overcome in a warm, loving home environment where they were so safe and secure. They didn't feel any kind of threat from peer pressure, any kind of comparisons. They were just able to 
work through those things at their own pace, in their own way, with us lovingly walking alongside of them. And I can tell you that's exactly what's happened. And it's been so awesome because what could have been turned into a really, really big deal was minimized, not in a bad way, but was just allowed time and space to see if they would get through that struggle on their own. And then if you know something happened that they weren't and we needed help, we would get it. But we need to be patient. This is one thing that I just, I wanted my kids to have an unhurried childhood. I didn't want to be rushing around as a mom. I didn't want to be um, having to run everything around the school schedule. We wanted to decide what was important for our family and how we were going to spend our time together. And lastly, the most important thing to us is we wanted to pass our faith on to them. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't about brainwashing. So, you know, don't go there. If we're going to pass our faith on to our kids, we actually have to be with them. We have to model it for them. We have to walk alongside them through the difficulties in life. And homeschooling lends itself to that very thing if we don't overschedule ourselves. So next, I want to talk about... um, what we did just briefly, what we thought was the most important when it came to our kids' education. Because this is what you're going to have to decide for yourself, okay? When we thought about our whys for homeschooling, we, you know, I gave you the four things that made us decide to homeschool, but when we thought about what was most important for them and why, we realized that we could not see into the future. We didn't have a crystal ball to be able to tell what kind of jobs that would be available, would be ways you could make money 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And when we started homeschooling, there was no internet. Nobody knew that someday you would be able to make your living on YouTube or on the internet or um, at you know an Etsy site with all your crafts and creativity uh, being sold over the internet and mailed. You know, it would, there was just no way. And there is no way to know now what the future is going to bring when it comes to employment and, and how our kids are going to make a living. So I had to think about what would be the most important thing for them to know. Okay, It's not information. It would have to be something bigger than that, something that would um, trump that. And here's what we decided, that we wanted to encourage a love of learning because we knew that if our kids continued to love learning, they could do anything, right? Because the, if they love learning, they learn, they automatically naturally learn how they learn because they're always pursuing things and they're pursuing their interests and they're learning how they learn and they're having time and space to do it, not being pressured to just take in information that doesn't isn't relevant to them. So in order to instill a love of learning, we had to, of course, teach them to read and write and do basic math, right? But also give them time and space to follow their interests because, again, they're going to learn the most from pursuing the things they're interested in. So we wanted to instill and encourage a love of learning, which, by the way, kids come wanting to learn. They're curious by nature. They're quite natural learners if you give them time and space and then help them find the resources that they need. And that leads me to the second thing. We wanted our kids to be resourceful. Now, what does that mean? It means knowing where to get the information that they need or to get what they need, the supplies they need, um, the information they need. It's also about critical thinking being a problem solver. Okay, if this isn't working over here, what else could I try that would... uh, 
make me successful in reaching my goal, okay? So love of learning, being resourceful. This also means finding reliable sources, right? Not just anything off the internet. Um, This also means um, not just internet information, but also encouraging our kids to talk to people who are in the field that they're interested in. This is something we did. Our kids did some job shadowing and things like that. So love of learning, be resourceful, and then a strong work ethic. Because you know what, guys? If they have a love of learning and they're resourceful and problem solvers, but they don't have a strong work ethic, it's just going to mainly fall flat. The strong work ethic is what's going to tie everything together and make them able to do whatever they're called to do and whatever they have a desire to do. So um, that was kind of our sort of our framework that we worked from. And the results, you probably wonder what in the world have the results been because who wants to listen to somebody who has poor results? Well, I can tell you the results have been actually better than I ever imagined. You know, while I was walking that out, I didn't know if it was going to work. I just knew that it that having those priorities and walking out our days the way that we did was working well for our family. There was peace in our household. I wasn't uh, fighting the kids on schoolwork all the time about everything. You know, there's that thing here and there that we had to work through. Because 80% was enjoyable for all of us and maybe 20% was hard work, push through, persevere, okay? Um, So the results of this have been that our kids do have a love of learning. All of them do. All of them are resourceful and all of them have a strong work ethic. You guys... It's, it's awesome. And watching that play out as adults is so cool to see. So um, the other results that we've had that I don't know that we, I think we hoped for, but we really didn't think all the way through was this. We have a strong, cohesive family. And let me explain what that means. Most of our kids are adults. But they still have, we have a good relationship with every single one of them. We're not at odds with any of our kids. They care about what we think, but they don't care more than they should. They will come to us. We have that kind of relationship that they'll come to us if they feel like they need to or if they need some input. Um, they're, They're fairly independent but they love us and they love spending time with us. We love all spending time together. They care about each other. They have very strong sibling bonds and um, and they honed in on their passions sooner rather than later. So that's those are the kinds of results that we have gotten from our homeschooling. So I just wanna share just briefly um, a little bit more about family life because I think it's so important for us to remember how important, or even if maybe we haven't recognized it in the past, how important family life is. So um, when my husband and I started having kids, we believed family life was important then, okay? And the reason that we did was because God created family. And we believe that he is a multi-generational God. If you read through the scriptures, he talks over and over and over again about generations. This is one of the first um, periods of time where uh, things have been become so individualistic that people don't think about the next generation. 
or the generation after that. They don't think about their grandchildren. They might think about their children once they start having children, but they don't think about it beforehand. And and here's the thing. God has called us to consider succeeding generations. And so we felt very strongly that God, we know that God created family life, that it was important and it needs to be preserved. I even see a lot of homeschooling families who are so fragmented with all their activities that they're not living a family life together because our kids can learn everything almost everything that they need to know about life through family life. They learn a work ethic. They learn um, how to be part of something bigger than themselves, to treat others the way they want to be treated. They learn uh, teamwork. They learn um, respect. They learn to honor. They learn how to be the body of Christ to each other. They learn compassion and empathy. These are all things that... um, Kids just don't, they, I mean, if you look at the average young person, they've missed all of that. But we have the opportunity to instill that into our kids as we live family life together. It is crucial that we preserve family life. We preserved family life above homeschooling even, above curriculum, above book work. So that meant if kids were having issues amongst each other, we could lay the book work down with a clear conscience and help them work through that conflict together to keep peace in that relationship. And they learned so much about conflict resolution. And I can't tell you how many uh, of their employers have said, these kids just know what teamwork means. They care about the people around them. They keep a positive work environment. And you know, what that, you know where they learned that? They learned it at home. They learned it through the, the bickering and the fighting and the resolving the conflict and the praying together and the not being able to get away from each other and having to resolve things. And so family life is so important and it should be made a priority. And, and so much of our kids' education can come from family life. Um, and, and I can just say now, uh, after all these years, what do we believe about family life now and why? Is, is our perspective still the same? Absolutely, even more so. Strong families are an effective means to spreading the gospel. Strong families are the foundation of a stable culture. You guys, we have the opportunity to raise the next generation that will stabilize this culture. Look around you. It's not stable. And there's a reason for that. Families have fallen apart, but we as believers can be salt and light in that area if we will just follow God's priorities. And one of his priorities is the family. So, and this is where homeschooling just fits right in with all of that. It's a, it's a beautiful package. They don't, they don't, they aren't diametrically opposed. They work together. And the last thing that I want to share with you about families is I just want to share with you that um, we believe that God says that children are a blessing. We believe children are a blessing. This is another thing that anchored our homeschooling and our family life. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, my husband at one point decided to do a study 
on children. He's like, a lot of people talking about kids, you know, whether to have more, whether to not. What, is God, what does God have to say about children just in general? What is, what is his opinion of children? So he looked up every single verse on children. And he came back to me and he said, there is nothing but good in the Bible. God has nothing but positive things to say about children. And he said, if he says they're a blessing, then we need to walk that out as though we know that as well. Because if God says it, it's true. So what did that look like in our everyday life? Here's how it looked. When I started to feel, this is just an example, when I started to feel overwhelmed. You know, eight kids in 13 years, that was a lot. But I also believe that God was sovereign over our family and our family size and over when our children came into our family. And I knew that we had all the kids that he wanted to give us, right? They were a gift from him. They were a blessing. So when I began to get frustrated, I would ask myself, Lord, actually I would be praying, Lord, how are these kids a blessing? Can you show me? You said they're a blessing. They don't feel like a blessing right now. How are they a blessing? And all of a sudden, I would begin to realize that I was irritated, maybe because, sometimes it was because I was being selfish. I was feeling sorry for myself. My brain was going down that road of mommy martyrdom, where I was like, poor me, I work so hard, and these kids, they don't appreciate it, and you know, if you want something done right, you gotta do it yourself. That's where my mind was going. And so as I was irritated by my children, it was like a red flag, and it would show me either that, or God would show me that my kids were not keeping the boundaries. I had some aware along the way, let the boundaries slip. And now um, they were, you know, kind of falling apart because kids love boundaries. And they needed to know that the boundaries were in the same place they've always been. They needed that safety and security. And that was my red flag that I for action, that I needed to do something either need to pray for my attitude or I needed to pray for my kids or I needed to um, ask the Lord, what is it? You know, how are these? So in all, in all of that, the blessing comes in getting direction. So as I, as I recognized and acknowledged that children were a blessing, then God honed in on what it was that wasn't quite right. All of a sudden, our family life got lined back up again and there was peace in our household again. And so that was just such a great filter, taking that truth that God says children are a blessing and walking it out in our everyday life. So one thing that I also want to point out, our culture does not look at children as a blessing. It sees them as a burden. You have to spend copious amounts of money. All they do is suck the life out of you. You know, don't have too many because, you know, Lord knows you'll never have a life and nothing could be further from the truth. It was a lot of work having eight kids, but I would not change a thing. I would not change a thing. You guys, this is a lifetime investment. This is a long-term investment. And I'm telling you, um, I I was so blessed along the way to... um, just be able to focus on our kids and be able to invest in them. And because here's what happens. This is another way that they're a blessing. When there is so much crud going on around us, God still says that our kids are a blessing. God still says that we are to make family a priority. 
okay? So we get to take our attention from all the ugly, because the ugly is going to be there no matter what, and we get to hone in on and take our energy and focus it into our family and pour out our energy into our families. And as we do that, we can actually escape some of the ugly of the world and focus on the blessings of God. I love to just lay in the living room and let my little kids crawl all over me. You know, kids love it when they have access to you, right? Especially little ones. You know, if you just sit down for a minute, all of a sudden they just, you know, they want to touch you. They want to sit by you. Um, They don't want a perfect mom. They just want you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do everything perfect. You do not have to do this homeschooling thing perfect. The best thing you can do is be a warm, loving, engaged parent. Um, Just loving your kids and being with them. And God's going to take care of the rest. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to show you when you need to do this and when you need to do that. So I want to hopefully alleviate some of the fear that can come with deciding to homeschool. The other thing about homeschooling that I love is it allows us to spend time with our kids. And in that process, again, we have the opportunity of a lifetime to make the investment of a lifetime. Because here's the thing, you guys, we have one life to live, okay? And we can either try to live it a million different directions or we can hone in on what God has put in front of us and steward that well. What has God put in front of you, okay? If you look back in Genesis, God's mandate to mankind through Adam and Eve was to tend the garden, to work and to tend the garden. Our job is to bring order and beauty to chaos and ugliness. As believers, we represent Christ who is the Redeemer. So we're here on this earth and we bring order and peace to our little corner of the world. You know, I used to tell my kids, you know, mowing the lawn and taking care of the yard isn't just about mowing the lawn and taking care of the yard. We're taking care of what God has given us. And that is a way to to be thankful. It is a way to bring beauty and peace and order to 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 this world that we live in. We can't change everything around us, but we can effectively bring beauty and redemption to the place where we live, whether that's investing in our kids or doing our chores or taking care of our house, doing our schoolwork, um, ironing out relationships. Um, it's all part of his plan for us to bring, um, bring that redemption to the earth, okay? So it's, but it starts at home by tending the garden that God has given us. And then this is what happens. You tend that garden well, and it moves out from there as your children, as you're out and about with your children and as you interact and have relationships and different scenarios with different people, you will be salt and light as a family to people. But then also as your children are going out into the world, um, they become salt and light and they become all these arrows that go and effectively do what you could never do as one 
person. And so that investment you're making for those 18-ish years is really an investment of a lifetime because they'll spend most of their years not with you. But you're laying a foundation, you're growing roots for them so that they can fly and they can do the things that God has called them to do. Relationship is key and family is key. See, when I have a healthy relationship with my kids, homeschooling and parenting is so much more joyful and peaceful. So if we're focused on relationship first, then all those other things are going to come much more readily and with a lot less um, difficulty. But it takes work. Relationships our work, but they are key in homeschooling and in parenting. Because if your kids know always that you're on their side, you guys will overcome together. And I'm telling you right now, what makes a strong, cohesive family is overcoming obstacles together, whether that has to do with schoolwork or chores or relationships or just whatever crises comes along in life. Our family has become more bonded than ever when we had difficulties um, in life. Things like a baby who was born with a heart defect and had to be in the hospital for the first two months of his life. We didn't know if we were going to keep him. Uh, Losing our first grandson to stillbirth. Family was key in all of that. Um, I have podcasts on all of that. If you want to go and listen, you can go on my homepage and listen or go to the, um, sorry, the subject line and you can look up any topic and uh, articles and mainly podcasts will come up um, that will uh, kind of expound on more of what I'm talking about today. So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of homeschooling. I'm just going to really quickly tell you what we did. Um, again, you know our kind of our main mission statement. And so I felt like the important thing for us to do in the kindergarten through junior high up to high school was to just make sure that we were getting through the core subjects every day. So reading, writing, and math. Okay. And I don't mean necessarily writing essays. Our, what our kids did a lot of um, was reading and then writing a summary um, or telling me what it is that they um what, what it is they read about. When, when they're younger, they can do that. I don't want to get into all of that because it's, it's narration and then it's you know some early writing, one or two sentences, and then it goes into a paragraph or two and they just continue to do that. So core subjects in the morning, which meant for kindergarten to, you know, kindergarten to maybe second or third grade, you might spend an hour or two. The next grades, two to three hours. And then high school, three to four hours. I'm telling you, homeschooling is efficient and effective. You do not have to spend eight hours a day schooling your kids. If you're doing that um, and, you're, and you're just in book work doing that, your kids, I, I'm, I'm, I can be fairly certain that they're not going to love learning. So we've got to leave some time and space and margin. So what we did was core subjects in the morning down around noon, sometimes a little later for the high schoolers. And then in the afternoons, they had um, interest-led learning. So during that time, I did not direct their learning during that time. Morning time was more directed. Afternoon was more like, we called it free time. But it had to be productive because here's the thing. We don't want to raise consumers. We want to raise producers. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that they're not sitting in front of the TV like zombies, or in front of the computer like zombies. If they're doing something productive on the computer, one of our kids was interested in digital music, and he learned he's he he learned so much from that um, that that fed into what he does as an adult. 
So all that to say, we want to get our kids outside. They need to be out in nature. They need to be, uh, they kind of, they need to be bored because creativity comes once they're a little bit bored. And I have some podcasts on that. You can go check that out. But so that was our basic schedule. We had chores in the morning. Um, I always inspected chores. And again, I have a podcast on chores. Then there was schoolwork till about noon, free time in the afternoon. And uh, when it came to history and science in the elementary years, we allowed that to be interest-led because I felt like um, they would get, they got exposure to it as they were interested in the elementary years. And then in the high school years, we dove a little deeper into it. And they, but I also believe that at that age, they can really wrap their heads around, you know, just more uh, more broad science concepts and how they tie together and history. You know, like why do we study history? We study history so we can learn from it. Well, guess what? Our kids are going to remember more in high school than they are in elementary school, but not every family wants to do it that way. Some families love history and they do all their learning from history. They do their writing and their, um, you know, their other subjects from history. So there are a million ways you can do this. I'm just sharing mine because this is, um, this is what worked for us. And I also want to give you the freedom to understand that there is freedom in homeschooling, that you can keep it simple and straightforward and leave margin for your kids. And they're actually going to benefit from that. You don't have to be hardcore every minute of the day. You can enjoy this journey. And it is so fun to see them uh, find the things that they're interested in. Because here's the thing. It's so important to understand that educating a child is kind of like farming. I read this the other day on the Libertarian Homeschooler Facebook page. They have some great stuff there, by the way. So listen to this. Educating a child. So as you're facing buying curriculum, as you're facing how do I homeschool my kids or what I'm doing isn't working and I want to make changes, but I don't know what to do, or I'm starting out, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I don't think I want to do, you know, all this, uh, you know, uh, online stuff. So anyway, listen to this. This is a great place to start. Educating a child is kind of like farming. You need to get to know the land in order to be successful. First thing, get to know your kids, the climate, the terrain, the soil. If you do not know the land and you try to grow oranges in Canada or wheat in Florida, it's not going to work very well. I see a lot of parents selecting curriculum like rookie farmers. You aren't looking at your land. You have been given a beautiful parcel of land that is perfect for producing wheat, and you've gone out and bought a bunch of citrus trees because someone in Florida said citrus trees always work. You see how that works? (laughs) I love that. You got to get to know your kids. You have to do what works for your family. So maybe you don't feel like you know them quite well enough. You know what? You have permission to spend time just doing things together, asking them questions, having conversations, and finding out what do they want to learn about? What did they, you know, maybe if you're pulling them out of school, what did they like about school? What did they not like about school? What would they like to learn about and how would they like to learn about it? They want to do it by DVDs? Do they want to do it by a textbook? Do we want to just read out loud together? Um, You have options when you homeschool. And that's what makes it efficient and effective because you can hone in on the way that works best for your family. And all of a sudden, things move along and you don't have to waste a bunch of time. Uh, But it can take time sometimes to figure figure out what that looks like for you. And every year, it can be a little bit different. So homeschool from where you live. How are you gifted as a mom? 
what is it? What are your strengths? Don't look at your weaknesses. Look at your strengths. You are bringing strengths to the table. You have got something to offer your kids. And one of the biggest thing you, things you have to offer is that you are an expert in your children. You know why I say that? Because it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in any one field. By the time your child is six years old, you have spent 16,000 hours with them. Guys, you know them better than anybody. You are more invested in their future than anybody. You love them to the moon and back more than any teacher ever could. I love teachers and they can be such a blessing, but they'll never love your kid like you do. Okay? So start there. Start with your mom heart. Don't try to be the teacher. Just be the mom. Start by being the mom. Always be mom first. And all that learning and teaching will happen much more naturally. So homeschool from where you live. What advantages do you have to where you're living? What opportunities do you have where you're living? And just work with what God's given you because God's put you there for a reason. And he's using where you live, your little piece of the earth, your family culture to prepare your children for their futures. He knows what their futures are. So trust that, trust the creator. And it will be, this will be a journey that you'll be on together. You do it together because as long as you continue to be okay with learning how to learn alongside of your kids, you're gonna be thrilled with the results. It will make the, joy, the journey joyful. It will make the journey fun. It will make it the adventure of a lifetime. So let's, if you maybe wonder a little bit more, let me describe a little bit more what interest-led learning looks like. Okay, this is another quote from Libertarian Homeschooler. See where they are going. So you're stepping back and you're just being a student of your child. See where they're going and give them what they need to feast on a topic explore it, and connect it to other topics that they love. They don't forget what they really want to know. And this is why interest-led learning is so important. They will forget what you really want them to know if they don't care. So no amount of forcing is going to make your child remember anything. What's going to make them remember things are when they're engaged in things they're interested in. Okay? Um. I want to just give you a little bit of a heads up that if you've decided to homeschool, you and your believer, you are going to be a target, a target for the enemy. And he's going to use anybody and everybody and anything and everything in your life to try to distract you. Okay, he's going to use relatives who say maybe say negative things to you. He's going to use neighbors or friends or people you thought you trusted or people at church. Sometimes even even pastors are just anti-homeschooling. You have got to remember why you're doing what you're doing. This is why it's so important that you remember why you're doing what you're doing and that your feet are on solid ground when it comes to homeschooling. Okay? The main things that the enemy is going to use, like I said before, is distraction and comparisons. Because if he can get you going down those two roads, he can get you wasting so much time. Don't buy into it. Remember that garden that's in front of you? That's your garden. It's not your neighbor's garden. It's not your pastor's garden. It's not your best friend's garden. It's not your mother-in-law's garden. Likewise, 
their gardens are not yours. So don't look over in their garden and be jealous and and comparing your garden to theirs. Just be faithful to tend the garden that God has given you. Okay, if you can do that, you will save yourself so much grief. The enemy is going to use the distraction of feeling inadequate. And like I said before, guess what? You're the expert in your child. Remember that. Nobody else. You are. It doesn't mean you're not going to get help from someone else or great ideas from someone else. But I want you to always, always, always press into the Lord and hear, try to hear from Him first. So the enemy wants us to be so focused on our inadequacies that we stop using our strengths. We, stop, we start working from a place of fear instead of a place of strength. Moms, you are, you are, if you are a believer, you are much stronger than you realize. And any mom, I believe, is much stronger than she realizes. You'll also find that there's areas you're weaker than you realize, but he is made strong in your weakness. I think the enemy loves to keep us pressed down. And if you've had your kids in school, it's probably because you thought you weren't qualified. Well, guess what? God is calling you to homeschooling. And that's something you need to ask yourself. Is he calling you to homeschooling? If he has called you, he is going to qualify you. He's not going to call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So he's going to qualify you along the way as you walk this journey out with your kids, being willing to learn along the way and lean hard into him to trust him. This morning I was reading in Psalm 90. As I was thinking about stewardship and how we only have one life to live, and we need to steward our time well. We need to steward where we're putting our energy. We need to do that well because God has blessed us and given us great blessings. And the verse that came to mind was, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Life is short, you guys. It's much shorter than you realize. And the time with your kids is even shorter. So God, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. We want to be wise women. The scripture says that a wise woman builds up her house and a foolish one tears hers down. And we can inadvertently tear our our houses down, our families down by being distracted, by comparing ourselves to other people, by um, just allowing ourselves to, to work from a place of fear instead of a place of strength. And that's something that only God can help us do. Okay, so teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Then in verse 14, it says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. You guys, I can tell you after all these years, God is so faithful. His love never fails. Work from if you're going to work from a place where that's not a place of fear, you should let me give you where you should work from. It's a place of love. Remembering always that God's love for you is unfailing. And as you remember that each morning and you walk in his morning mercies, his mercies that are new every morning, you will that will overflow into your families says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. You guys, 
Try to go to Jesus first every morning. Hear the good that he has for you and then walk in it. I have a devotional that I wrote, especially for homeschooling moms called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It's available on Amazon. I take a passage of scripture and apply it to motherhood and homeschooling, things that the Lord's shown me over the years. I'd invite you to go and check that out. So satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy all the way to the end of our lives. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Here we are, God. Let us see where you're working and help us to join in with what you're doing in the lives of our children and in our lives. We want to cooperate with his plan. Um, Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let us see Let our children see your glory. You guys, this is again us walking out our faith in front of our kids um, so that we pass that faith on to the next generation. And then in verse 17, it says, and may the Lord our God show us his approval. You guys, we're playing to an audience of one. It's God. We're only responsible to him for how we walk this out. And may the Lord show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Don't you love that? What an encouragement. So lastly, I wanna go through a few steps that you can take um, to kind of get you going in the right direction to hone in on what's gonna work best for your family. So here are the steps I want you to take. I want you to take the time to slow your heart down, to think and to pray about your whys. Why are you homeschooling? I would also encourage you to read through The Unhurried Homeschooler, not just because it's my book, but because I believe, I have seen it just work, God has used it in the lives of countless moms. It's a tiny little simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling that will help you get some of that perspective that you need in order to move forward, keeping um, your intentions and your priorities in place. So unhurry your heart, think and pray about your whys, read The Unhurried Homeschooler, talk with your husband if you're married, talk with your husband so that you guys are as much on the same page as possible. And then ask God while you're praying to show you two things to show you what kind of mom you are, what are your strengths, what do you enjoy doing, how might you in best enjoy homeschooling your kids and being with your kids. And the second thing, how your kids might learn best. Don't write down what you don't know. Write what you do know about your kids and work from there. Okay? Next, I want you to do a little bit of research on homeschooling methods. Now, what I'm going to do is include an image that just breaks down about six of the most popular Um, ways, methods of homeschooling. You do not have to do them all. You don't have to do any one in particular. You can mix and match, but it gives you a little bit of direction on what methods you might want to dig a little further into. But be sure to listen for the Lord's direction first and then look at these homeschooling methods. And it sounds backwards, but it's actually not. Because if you're a believer, you want to hear from the Lord first, and then you want to go ahead and... um, That'll help you hone in on what things to sort of dig a little deeper into. Find out the homeschooling laws in your state. Again, don't do that first because you'll, you'll limit yourself. 
We can meet a lot of laws and requirements very creatively and innovatively if we will pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. And lastly, talk to other homeschooling families that you respect um, that maybe are homeschooling similarly to the ways that you think you might want to. Find your tribe. I do caution you to be aware of comparisons and distractions. Don't let yourself be carried away by that as you talk to other homeschooling families, which can easily happen. Stay focused. Stay focused on what God has uh, given you and, and where you think that he's leading you. So I believe that God's calling to us um, as believers, that he's turning the hearts of believers toward their children, that he wants us to grow strong, healthy families to secure our future as a family and as the body of Christ, but also as a nation, okay? He also wants to use the families to spread the gospel so that Jesus can transform lives. That's the most important thing, you guys. So remember to pray. Ask God for wisdom. He says in James 1 that he will give it to us. Go read that, James 1. I just want to encourage you to do that because here's the thing. If you, when we don't recognize the value of what we have in our hands and homeschooling, and even above that, our families are the most valuable things we have in our hands right now our families. So when we don't recognize the value of what we have in our hands, we will always get far less from it than it's worth. Okay? We want to get the most from our family life. We want to we want to steward it well. We want to steward our homeschooling journey with our kids well. Homeschooling holds great value because it holds great freedom. Ask God to show you what that looks like for your family today. Again, check out the Unhurried Homeschooler, um, my podcast. That's called, it's just Dorenda Wilson is the name of the podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Overcast, um, YouTube, um, iTunes. Also, I have a, an Unhurried Homeschooler mentoring course that you are welcome to check out. I'll include that link. Follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I am ready to answer questions. So fire away. What kind of questions do you have for me? I'm going to close out the podcast here and turn that off and I will be answering your questions. So pop them in there. I'm ready to roll. Thanks so much for being here with me, all my podcast listeners. 